As you know, anything that has to do with the Father is uh, incredibly in his territory, and we've been blessed over and over again by the various revelations of that, and it's just so happy to have him speaking to us. Glad you're standing in one piece today. He's been having some health challenges, uh, and I would say uh, minor, I think, compared to where he's headed for the future. I'm saying that in faith, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, me too, Lord, and all of us, Lord, that have any kind of health challenges whatsoever in this room. I just pray you just keep blessing. I pray, Lord, you would leave behind a little Father's Day blessing. I pray he feels stronger and better, smarter. That's nice, too, uh, than he's ever felt in his whole life. I just pray grace, grace, grace on him in Jesus' name. And not only for him, but all that's related to him, all people that are related to him, brothers, sisters, uh, kids, grandkids, everybody, Lord, all his generations and his family and his lovely wife. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I haven't been up in this pulpit for about a year uh, for various reasons. Um, and But from time to time, Mike will mention my name, my wife's name. They'll, he'll say, Eddie and Janet are in the house today. And uh, now the result of that is him noticing that I'm here. If he notices that you're here long enough, he'll put you to work. So it's good to be back here, and uh, this is our home. This is our church family, very precious to us. Uh, happy Father's Day to everyone. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to this afternoon. Uh, we have finally gathered our three sons together. It's like herding cats. <laughs> and we're going to have them uh, over for a barbecue and we're, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I, the topic I've chosen for this morning, this special Father's Day, is something that's related to uh, fathering. And I've entitled it, Fathering in Your 50s and Beyond. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's very apropos for me because you know, I'm well past my 50s. Uh, and I've been fathering for 56 years. And so there's going to be some insights for those of you that are in that category, you know, fathering uh, in your 50s and beyond. However, those of you that are young fathers, uh, hopefully you'll, you'll gather some of this great wisdom uh, and it'll help you uh, in your journey of fathering. And for those of you that are not yet fathers, you know, take notes because you might need it someday. And those of you that have been fathered, you know, this will help you understand what you've been going through. Okay, so I have three sons, uh, and we have nicknames for them. Uh, our oldest son we call Big B, Big B. His name is Brandon. And uh, he now stands six foot four, and he's about 220, and he dwarfs me. And uh, we're always trying to figure out where those uh, giant genes came from. <laughs> and then we have uh, our next son, uh, Nathan, and some of you know him because at one time he, he led worship here, and he led worship for years in the Mission Viejo Vineyard. Uh, he was a great guitar player. And that's because early on, we nicknamed him Nate the Great. <laughs> and he's constantly uh, rising to the occasion. But our, our last little caboose boy, uh, we named David, because he's King David, and he ruled in our home from day one. Now, it's, also, it's, it's always good to have a David and a Nathan in the house. They, you know, Nathan keeps an eye out on David, and so everything runs very smoothly in our child's lives. My three sons. Now, naturally, when I start talking about fathering in your 50s, uh, I realize that you know, I've had all boys, and then I've had uh, two grandsons and two great-grandsons. 
one granddaughter, but they're probably they're almost all boys. And so, uh, what about having insights on raising girls? Uh, I know nothing. <laughs> but I, I did ask uh, a friend of mine, Mark Lorenzo, uh, for just three. Because he has three daughters and what four granddaughters? Six. He's anyways. The whole plethora of uh, women that have come forth in his family. So I, I asked him, uh, and this is, for, this is sort of for a moment of comic relief, uh, three things that uh, are unique to uh, fathering uh, girls. And he said, these are three things that he observed. Number one, be patient because you are living in a hormonal household. <laughs> But then secondly, always make room to receive their loving affections. And that's very nice. He says they're very affectionate. But number three, and uh, this is the one that you know is a little edgy. He said, show them courtesy by always putting the lid down. <laughs> now that, that's a direct quote from Mark. Now, if you, if you have other questions, you can ask him. Uh, but as I just, some of my initial uh, thoughts on fathering in your 50s uh, is realizing that once you're a father, you enter the whole zone of perpetual fathering. You never stop fathering. Uh, you have different, different seasons of fathering. You know, when they're, they're little babies and you learn how to change diapers and they're they're, you know, they're adolescents, and you learn how to go do sports and things with them, and then, then they get married, and then you, you know, you have to sort of, you know, give them counsel, and then when they're, then when they get uh, older, then it reverses because they start taking care of you. Uh, that's exactly what's happening. You know, as I find myself more in need of my sons to father me, uh, and I'm very appreciative of perpetual fathering. Uh, the second thing I want to mention about really successful fathering, our, my fathering has always been in partnership with my wife. Uh, when I think of you know, fathering my kids, I could never have done it on my own. Uh, we are a team, and we call ourselves an effective team. We saw that in a movie somewhere. But we're, we were, we've been an effective team in fathering and mothering our sons. Uh, it really takes a team in order to be successful in that. And right at the beginning, I'd like to say that we have one primary focus that has evolved into our life, and it is the interpretive key for all fathering. And this is our primary focus, loving them well. That's it. We try to do our best in loving them well. When all is said and done, we want to say we love them well and that we would hope they, they would say, yes, we have been loved well by you. That's the goal. It's, it's, the, end, it's the end game is love. Now, when I think about fathering, uh, you know, in my life, I realize that there's been uh, influences on my fathering. There are things that influence us and in how we do this fathering thing. And for me, and for everyone I think that's a father, it begins with the influences of our, uh, that, that come out of our relationship with our natural fathers. Uh, our relationship with our natural fathers and in, in observing and experiencing how they fathered us has a lot to do with putting an imprint on us and how we father. Now, uh, I like this text that we'd like, I'd like to read together in Luke 11. And this is where Jesus uh, talks about this whole thing of how uh, fathers relate to their sons and, and then how it has some effect on how we are going to understand 
our Heavenly Father. So in Luke 11, it says, Jesus is teaching, and he's teaching his disciples, uh, in, because he's just told them about how to pray, to pray the Our Father prayer. And he knows that when they go to pray the Our Father prayer, that their relationship with their natural fathers will influence how they understand the word father. And so here's his teaching. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Or if in the other version, how much more will the Father give good gifts to his sons and daughters who ask him? And in this uh, short portion, there's a couple things I'd like to pull out. Uh, first of all, he, he says that naturally fathers would, would give good gifts to their children. There, there's an inherent goodness in all fathers, and they want to do good things. Now, whenever fathers act out of that inherent goodness, uh, what comes out is good fathering. And good fathering has a good effect on us. Uh, but then Jesus goes on to make this little uh, caveat when he says, though you are evil. And that could be translated, though you as fathers have been flawed by sin. You see, sin in mankind and then sin in men, sin encroaches into fatherhood. And where there's sin somehow flaws fatherhood, bad things happen. And that's where uh, fathering that is not good fathering, that's its source. And so there are no perfect fathers. So all fathering has, uh, that we see in our natural fathers, there are things that were good, and then there were things that were not so good. And when we take a look at them as an influence, what, there's something in us that wants us to repeat the good things. And there's, there's something that has affected us that can produce some negativity in our fathering that we've inherited from them. So there's no perfect fathering, but we pick this up. And it's a very important thing in fathering to understand that theme, how our natural fathers have affected us and how it affects our fathering of our children in positive ways and potentially some negative ways. When I think of my relationship with my natural father, it's, it's fascinating to me. There was a book by Mercer Mayer called My, my Dad and I, and I loved that book. It's all about you know, the, the Mercer Mayer, Mayer character and his relationship with his dad, and there's all these interesting stories that are in it. He could write a book, he, and he did, my dad and I. And I, and I certainly think I could sit down and write a book about me and my dad. And it would have some wonderful things in it. And there would also be some things that weren't so wonderful. And, and they've had an effect on my fathering. When I think of the good things from my dad, I think of the fact that he was personally involved in my life. Some fathers, they experience abandonment, lack of involvement, but a good thing I received from my father was personal involvement. Another thing was he provided well for our family. He worked hard and he provided for my life and provided the things that I needed. And he was, he was, in, he was generous. You know, I remember when he bought me my first bike and, I, and then my first BB gun. You know, that, it just hit my mind. Oh, that was good fathering. You know, contrary to the Christmas story. You know, the, the BB gun was, I, I, I'll never forget that. The other thing is he took me to nice places that I'll never forget. For example, he took me for the first time to Yosemite. And that was a good thing. It's such a wonderful memory 
of you know being there with my dad and we were in this sort of tent cabin and in the middle of the night we heard this roar and my dad and I opened the cabinet and there's a big bear out there pretty cool you know and then but one of the things that was probably the strongest thing that influenced me was the whole thing of pursuing excellence yeah, I love that. He, you do yeah. take a note on that yeah. <laughs> Pursuing excellence. I bet you experienced that. Your father, yes, pursue excellence. Now, see, that's a, that's a good thing. That as a Peoric, I could accomplish great things. That because my dad had done that. He was a he was a man who pulled you know pulled up him, uh, He got through life by pulling himself up through his own bootstraps, and did amazing things. He very, became a very successful, wealthy person. And in, so in that thing was that whole thing of, in, in, you know, sort of installing in me, uh, pursuing excellence. And so that, those are all good things I have in my, me and my dad book. However, there is some downside with my dad. And the first thing was pursuing excellence, which is a good thing, subtly became performance orientation, which is a bad thing, in the sense of performance orientation. It's like, if you do good, you get the reward. But if you don't, I can't give it to you. And if you, if you do very poorly, there's, there's often some kind of little punitive action that goes. See, there was not much room for error in my relationship with my dad. He was very performance oriented. And if I failed, in little ways, I'd, I'd feel it. And, I, and there were some ways that I feel, failed in really big ways. And, and, they, and my dad was quite punitive. And I look back on it uh, sometimes because when we first get in touch with these things, we think it's all our dad. <laughs> you know, he was like that. But I realized that I was not the easiest kid to, to raise. And uh, he had his hands full with me. Uh, but the thing was is that some of the downside was this performance orientation and a bit of punitiveness. Uh, but the biggest thing that was the downside in my relationship with my dad was what I would call unpronounced love. Unpronounced love. I never heard my dad tell me that he loved me. Uh, not until his dying day. And I'm very grateful that on, in his last week, he said, Eddie, you're my son and I love you. But the thing was, but in my growing up, it was unpronounced. So, so when I move forward into fathering my sons, uh, these things affected me. And this is the way it works with us. We, we, we will re repeat in our fathering the best we can, all the good things. And that's exactly what I did. I was very involved with my sons. I provided for them. And I took them, I took them to all the same places my dad took me where we had good times. I took them to Yosemite. You know, we had our little yellow VW bug and we went out there to see the bears out there in the, you know, the, where is it, Janet? <laughs> I just want to see if you're awake, you know. <laughs> we went out to the city dump, you know, where all, all of the garbage was, because that's where the bears were, and we drove our yellow. I want to show them the bear. So we drove our yellow Volkswagen out there in the middle of the dump, and the bears are around, and what do we do? We put some food on top of the, the thing, close the windows, and the bears are on us. Hey, look at boys. And then afterwards, we went to the bear museum, you know, and it showed how those bears would just tear open cars like a can opener. So we repeat the good. <laughs> And then we, we do our best to, re, was it? to revise the bad. 
so one thing I, I told myself early on is that I will tell them that I love them every day. Every time I'm with them, I'm going to tell them that I love them. And, and that, was, that was something that we have done to this very day. Even uh, my big son, big Brandon, big B, you know, 200 pounds, 6'4", you know, he'll come over and visit us and we're talking, you know, he's out there in the street and, and he's about to leave and Janet says, go tell him you love him by giving him a hug. So I go out in the street, you know, and he's, he's big, you know, it's just like, I love you. So, you know, so the thing is, we, we revise to do the best things. But one thing that I've learned that's very critical is we, we will do our best to repeat the good. We will do our best to revise by deleting the bad. But however, there's some things that get so deeply put in us that are intrinsically there that we reflect them whether we want to or not. And I realized that in my, in my life, that I had a tendency to reflect that performance orientation with my boys, as subtle as it was. And so the thing is, is that my, my, we learned you know, this fathering over the course of our life. And we're influenced by our dads, good, bad, even intrinsically. And so we can never do it perfectly. And that's where, in order to progress to the better and best fathering, we must come in contact with the best father there is to learn from him how to father. And it only makes sense logically. The only way, that we have been designed by God as, as men who become fathers to learn from the father. And we are to look at how did he father his son, Jesus. And that becomes the, the ultimate model. And that when we connect with that model, that begins to influence. It, it will enhance the best that we've learned. It will disarm the bad. And we will reflect intrinsically the love of the Father. And that's what you want. You want to... You want to just reflect it intrinsically, that love. And so it requires making contact with the Heavenly Father. I call it the influence on fathering that comes from the realization of our Heavenly Father's love. By realization, it becomes something that's experiential, that's something that's infused into us. And that is where we begin to project and multiply the Father's love. And the scriptures tell us about the Father's love in one of the most common places, John 3.16, like I think Mike mentioned it earlier. John 3.16, so it says, For God, the Father, so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We're familiar with this, that the, the Father loves the world. The Father loves mankind. And as we as Christians realize that at that point, we have a Father in heaven who loves us. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. And if we receive Jesus as our Savior, we will not perish, but we will have eternal life. And eternal life is not just everlasting life. Eternal life is experiencing the life of eternity. We are experiencing the life that's taking place in heaven now, which is being in the presence of a loving Father. So that begins us on the road. And when we think of that, for God so loved the world, we think of God the Father who's far off and theologically he made a decision, sent the Son, and he loves us. And that's true. And it influences our mind. And we, and we believe it. But there's more to it than that. The re, there's a realization where we experience that love. 
in the same way that Jesus himself did. And the scripture tells us this in John 16, verses 26 and 27. Now, Jesus is, te is teaching his disciples uh, on the eve before his crucifixion, and he will, you know, be put to death, and then soon he will, he will be raised from the dead, and then he will ascend. And he says, in that day, when I'm gone, you will ask in my name when you pray to the Father. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. In other words, you can go direct to the Father. Pretty cool. And he says, no, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Now, here's the Bible tells us that if we love Jesus, then our Father loves us. Our, we have been adopted by our Father in Jesus, and he loves us in a very special way because we're told here that the, he loves us, and the Greek word is phileo, phileo, like in the city of Philadelphia. This is filial love. It's like between brothers, between uh, a mother and her child. This is, this is that what I call demonstrated natural affection. It's a love that you can hear. It's a love that you can feel. It's a love that moves your heart and your emotions. And it's visceral. It's a love that's visceral, that gets into your being as a person. And this love is promised to us. And it's the love that Jesus experienced at his baptism when the Father said, you are my son. I love you. I am well pleased with you. And the spirit of love rested on him. You see, that's, that's what all Christians inherit from the Father in Jesus. But especially men who become fathers, we need to have that experience of that demonstrated natural affection because it becomes the love that's at the core of our being that we demonstrate to our, our children. This, this felt love, this, this projection of love that, that touches them deeply. Now, Paul gets very specific with it and uh, how this happens in Romans 8, verses 15 through 16. In order for us to come to this experience of phileo love, the Holy Spirit has to come upon us. We have faith in Jesus, the Father is in heaven. The Spirit has to come and, and touch us from heaven into our hearts with that love. And Paul writes, the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. <laughs> the great fear of not being loved by a father. Rather, the spirit, the Holy Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. You became adopted into the family. You became a child of God. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. We have this emotional moment where we say, Abba, Father, with our heavenly Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So see, the Holy Spirit is meant to bring us into this experience of the Father's love. And that experience of the Father's love for a man, for a, a father at any age, is what puts in him now this, this love that's in deep in his heart and soul and being that begins to come out and project itself into their fathering. Now, what changed my fathering more than anything else? I was doing the best I can with the good of my dad. I had these wounds that were from the bad, uh, and I was doing the best I could. But there was something that happened in my life when I came into this experience of the realization of the Father's love that, that changed everything, because everything now is going to be filled with love. And that happened when... You know, because I, in my life as a Christian, I still had a fear of failing. Because I had a deep fear of failing my dad. So I had a deep fear of not measuring up to God. That's why I was so hard on myself, even as a Christian. 
But I came to a place where all of a sudden I, I was burning out and all of a sudden I had to deal with the, these core fears. And I was at a pastor's conference and that's where for pastors, that's where their deepest fears get stirred up, you know. <laughs> it's like once I visited Rick Warren's church, you know, and when you go into his, his, his den was, was his, his sanctuary and we were all sitting there, like hundreds of us, and we're all trying to feel good about ourselves. And he says, hey, I want to welcome you to our fellowship hall. And, and when he said that, you know, this, this is this fellowship hall. This isn't even the main church. You know, and it's huge. So I feel, oh, very insecure. So those you have those fears. But I was at a pastor's conference, and it was actually a little uh, retreat we were having. And all of a sudden, this fear I had of not measuring up to my dad, all of a sudden, you know, I began to realize it has something to do with my fears of failure in life. And so I just, all of a sudden, I, I lift my hands up and I was like, Father, I'm just so filled with fear of failing. And the Holy Spirit came to answer that prayer. And the light surrounded me and I felt this like, flow of like liquid love come down into my heart. And while that was happening, I heard these words. It's the, the, the clearest experience of hearing the voice of God. And, and I hear these words, Eddie, you are my son. I love you. You can never fail in my sight. And I broke. And you know what it did? The, when that happened, it just shattered performance orientation. It, it took away my fears. And uh, it, put me, it put this love in me that was going to disarm that performance orientation and some of that withholding unconditional love from my sons. It was going to add the missing piece. See, the, experiencing the Father's love for fathers is adding the missing piece. See, we're not perfect. And we cannot give perfect love. But if we are conduits for the love of the Father in the best we can, he, he just flows and he begins to do his love thing in their lives. And that's the most important thing that we can give them. So the result of the experience for me, I use the terminology, is this. At that point in fathering, you start to become father-like. You start becoming father-like in the way you father your children. Jesus said to his disciples, and this is a, a, an imperative. It's really not optional. He said that, this to his disciples. How much more to fathers can you apply this? In Luke 6:36, Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Just as your father in heaven has been merciful to you, be merciful to everyone. Fathers, be merciful to your children. Be like the Heavenly Father as you father your children. And that word could be, be compassionate as your Heavenly Father was compassionate to you. It, it can also be, be loving to your children the same way that the Heavenly Father has loved you. See, that's the essence of fathering. It's, it's in that, that's, Jesus would say, Father, like your heavenly Father loves you. And the way he loves you, which is the essence of his fathering, love your children, because that's the essence of them. Discipline, wisdom, all those things come out of that. And once that thing is, is pierced your heart and, and now has a place in your heart, it changes everything. You begin to have the Father's heart of love, of felt love for your sons and daughters. You can feel it. And when you, that love is there, it, in every circumstance that happens, that love becomes the lowest common denominator for solving problems. That love becomes the interpretive key for everything you say and do in life with them. It becomes your primary objective. I want to love them well as the Father has loved me. Out of it flows compassion when they're hurting, counsel when they don't know what to do. 
encouragement when they face challenges in their life, generosity, always giving to them no matter what. But I think that one of the most crucial things is being able to learn how to forgive them in failure. It's one thing to award them in success, and very important, but what really is the measure of our fathering is our ability to forgive in failure. And that, see, my father did not have the ability to forgive me when I failed. And, and I found that in my life, I reflected that a bit in my sons. You know, that I, I helped them pursue excellence. But I, there was lessons I had to learn in how to be very forgiving in their failures. Because when you're able to forgive in the failures with that love, that's where the deepest bonds of love are formed. The deepest bonds in relationships are formed at the points of brokenness. And I don't mean we pursue brokenness. and It may not be big brokenness, but it certainly can be big brokenness. And it can be brokenness both ways. Brokenness from their failure and brokenness from your own as a father. And that ability to connect those two things with a father's unconditional love, there's a welding from heaven, a literal welding from heaven, this bond of love. And when that happens, that's the essence of fathering. Because in the end, you'll stand with your sons, with your daughters, and, and you'll look, at, look them in the eye, and, they, and there's this thing of, I love you. I love you. You know, and I had, you know, my big B. <laughs> See, the, the, my big B, Brandon, he's the first child. And that's tough. It's tough to be the first son. You know, because, you know, I when, when Brandon was born, Janet was 18, and I was 22. And we have this, this boy. And we don't really know nothing. <laughs> you know, about what we're doing, but we're feeling it out. And so there, the first one's a big, big experiment, like the first pancake, sort of, you know. So, and it's not easy on them. And that's why I think in the Bible, it tells us that the firstborn son is supposed to get the double blessing. And that's because... God the Father knows it's not easy being the firstborn son. <laughs> they need a double blessing. So Brandon, you know, uh, I, you know, I told him I loved him. I spent lots of time with him. I, I did all kinds of fun things with him, and it was all cool. Uh, but I had that subtle performance orientation. Now, what made it even more difficult was I was a Christian. And, you know, when you're in the Christian community, sometimes there's this big standard of being, you know, perfect. And as parents, we live under that because, you know, hey, oh, my, my Christian people are looking at my son and he did that and reflects on me. And, uh, you know, so you put this pressure on them. This is a, and that's, a, that's sort of a downside of any degree of Christianity, even parenting, where it lacks love and understanding and you need and all of that. But it's the way it is. And we all go through it because, you know, that's the way it, well, we were young Christians. And, and so I, we would read the Bible and, you know, go through the book of Proverbs. You know, I took my, all my sons through the book of Proverbs, you know. And, and so Brandon knew exactly what he was supposed to do. And, but whenever he, he would fail, you know, oh, the Proverbs, you know, you know, don't, uh, how's it go? Uh, neglect the rod and spoil the child. So, yes. but we would, we would give them little, yeah, yeah. It's been so long <laughs> since I've had to use that scripture. <laughs> but it, it was like, you know, we give them a little, you know, a little swat, a little spank, you know? And that was, it wasn't, Abuse. It was just a little, little spank, but it was it was relentless. In that, if there was something that you know, like 
bad word slips out. Ooh, you know, you know, this is going to hurt me more than this is going to hurt you. You know, but and that's not all bad. But it was there. It was pretty constant. You know, here's the grid. You know, and this is what happens. Uh, and so, but it, see, there's that little bit of being like my dad, and you know, there wasn't quite enough mercy in it. Uh, so, anyways. Fran was really a pretty good kid, uh, but so then there comes, you know, where this gets checked out, and where it gets checked out is when they're teenagers. He becomes a teenager, and so he knows all the rules. And one of the rules is, you know, you don't go, you don't sneak out of your room at night and go out and party with your friends. That's a no-brainer. <laughs> so he knows that, and so. You know, I, you know, one night, you know, uh, I hear this noise, you know, and I wake up, I forget what it was, one o'clock in the morning or something, and I go in there, and the window's opening, and Big B, he started to get big, and he's crawling in. Okay, now this is real, this is, you know, this, this is really not, this is not good. And dad's got to make sure you don't do that again. And, but the thing is, is that I can't swat him anymore. He's bigger than I am. And so, but he, I'll never forget, he comes in and he looks at me like, oh no, you know, sort of, uh, like, what, what's going to happen? And, and, and then it was like an epiphany moment. I looked at him and he, he was afraid. And I looked at him and I and I and I just realized uh, that he was afraid that I was going to punish him. And and all of a sudden I realized that it's like God was some, you know, there's been some times when you you've never given him a break. He needs a little mercy. And because the year before I had experienced the Father's love. And this was shortly after that. And I had experienced that love and experienced God's mercy, been set free from the stuff of my dad. And I had this love in me that was, I didn't realize how it impacted me. But when I looked at him, it was different. And he came in and he was wondering what's going to happen. And I just went over, didn't say a word, I went over to him and gave him a big hug. And I said, Brandon, Please forgive me for not being merciful to you all the time. And he wept, and I wept. And that was one of the finest moments of my fathering. And and Brandon and I have had that beautiful bond ever since. And I had that moment to some degree with each one of my sons. And I was uh, so grateful to God the Father that he, he touched me in time. He touched me in time. That at each one of those crucial junctures, I had the love to handle it. And so we become father-like. And I'm going to just give you five quick things. <laughs> uh, I always wanted to play on Mike. You know, you, the one of the most wonderful things Mike did, you know, growth thing, was the other day. The other day when you deleted the, like one third of the message, just to say, it's over. Enough said. <laughs> and that, and that's because there was like five points left. <laughs> so I have five. Now, I'm, I'm not going to go over them in detail, but uh, when I think of fathering in my old, old age, these pra- five practical things come. When I look at my life with my sons, older now, in the history, it's all about processing life together. The second thing is persistent, demonstrated natural affection. That, that to this day, constantly showing affection. And at the same time in my relationship now as they're all adults, is thing of 
perpetuating faith, you know, I still am helping them perpetuate their faith, the faith that we've received, the faith that's a gift to us. Another crucial part of fathering in, in our 50s now is prayer without ceasing. Now, that really starts at the beginning, doesn't it? But every morning and every night, I pray for those three boys. Janet and I have an hour, you know, hour and a half of intercession together, and we just, you know, to use the language of prayer warriors, <laughs> we storm the gates of heaven for those three boys. And we do that. And there one last thing is we're always mindful of passing on the inheritance. See, we as fathers, especially as Christian fathers, are, during our life, we've gathered an inheritance from our Father in heaven. And, and it's unique to our own lives. It's, it's all of these things. Uh, there's natural inheritance and spiritual inheritance, all this stuff. And our goal in our oldest is the final thing. We want to pass on the inheritance. And fathers, we want to receive all the inheritance we can receive from our fathers, from our heavenly father. We want to receive the, the great treasure trove of everything we've learned, everything that we've paid a high price for, everything that God's invested in us, everything we've worked hard to earn in the natural. or whatever. We, we want to pass it on well in love. Amen? Amen. So there are those of you who are fathering in your 50s, you can probably all relate to some of this. Some of you that will grow into it, hopefully it'll be helpful. But we can all say, we'll all be so grateful that we have a Father who loves us. Uh, let's all stand. We want to have our Father's blessing. And the worship team uh, can come back up. And Mike, I'd like you to come up also and uh, help me with this blessing. Holy Spirit, Spirit of the Father's love. Come. Come. Holy Spirit, come and rest upon this house. Rest upon everyone that's here. May we all feel your loving presence. Abba, Father, come. Extend your hands from heaven by the Holy Spirit to rest upon each father in this room. Rest upon them, Father. And speak to them. And I believe the Father wants to say to each each father in this room. I am grateful for your service. I am grateful for your service. Now receive the Father's reward for your faithful service. Receive the Father's reward and the reward for all faithful service in the kingdom of God in the house of God is more love. That's what we get out of this. Fathers, receive the Father's reward. Receive his love. And this day, all fathers, raise your hand. Receive a double portion. I bless you with a double portion. 
May your heart be filled with the manifest love of the Father. And may now the spirit of love come upon you and overflow out of your heart and your soul and be poured out on your children. Be poured out on your sons. Be poured out on your daughters. Be poured out on your grandchildren. Be poured out on your great-grandchildren. Be poured out on your house. Because your house has been made, made worthy in the name of Jesus. Receive the Father's blessing and may be multiplied in you and through you. And the Father wants to bless you. There's a special blessing for every woman here who is a single mom. They, there is no father in your house. But God the Father is saying, I will give you now this, the double portion for the single moms. Receive the Father's love for you. You are not alone. And now receive the anointing of the Spirit of the Father to dwell in your house for your children. Your children are not fatherless. And Father, I pray for a spirit of reconciliation to sweep through this place, a spirit of reconciliation to reconcile us with our fathers, to reconcile us with our children. May our children be reconciled with us in every way. And may you bring a beautiful welding of love. And may you pour out love on each household. And may even this day, this day, be a down payment of good things to come. If you have some other words. Holy Spirit. Great thing about God is whatever you lack on the inside, He's more than willing to supply. He's not looking for perfect people. He's just looking for people to be willing to receive. And uh, so it kind of goes in a couple of directions. One is just tenderness for our own soul. You know, it's not easy. This is Father's Day, but this would go with all moms, of course, as well, and all people. It's not easy uh, to feel sometimes the tenderness of God. We have our own fears or worries. And when that we harden, we're afraid uh, many times it's it's very difficult for us to know what to do how, how to treat others or even how to handle our own circumstances and I just feel like today uh, and every day when we talk about these things such a critical thing is that we just no matter who we are and where we're at because we're all either fathers maybe or impacted by fathers right so we all have that in common or the lack of one maybe right so in that exchange there, and this is Father's Day, so that's why we're emphasizing so much on the Father, but, but in that exchange there, you know, from our Heavenly Father to us, and then us to others, you know, it's such a critical exchange that we actually then become good at, no matter how bad we've been, no matter how many times we've failed, or no matter how lost we feel, that in the midst of that confusion, in the midst of the pain, just say, God, would you just touch me with some love, because I just... I just need you to, I just need to feel your affection on me. Yes, Lord. And it's that feeling of affection just in a moment like this even, that, or other moments, right, that really we do our best parenting. Uh, we do our be make our best decisions. And uh, and that's male or female, no matter who you are, whatever authority you're in or whatever you're doing, right? And I, and I, I know there's a whole room full of people that have children, and there's other people that don't have children, but all of us, affected by parenting one way or another, right? So some of us are trying to recover from what happened. <laughs> Maybe we didn't even have a dad or a mom, right? Or you have a heavenly dad. And others of us are trying to cope with, how do I, 
help my son and my daughter along. What do I do? You know, how, what, I need wisdom. And that affection, again, is the place where you get it. I mean, it sounds so strange, you know? You want the whole manual, one, two, three, four, five, endless books, but really when God tenderizes your heart, you get a wisdom that comes from another source. And that's why Jesus said, for the Father loves the Son and shows him what he's doing. So I would think that this moment, that maybe with regard to our time here, the most wonderful things that could happen to anyone uh, here today, it's just while we're in this worshipful place, is, uh, and, and I'm just saying the faith place, just ask God to touch you. And, and maybe don't even, maybe even stop asking for wisdom. But just ask for a touch. God, would you just tenderize me? Would you just help me? Would you just come to me in my weakness? Would you just come? And that little tender spot you feel, it can be cultivated, not only in a meeting like this, but other times. And when that gets cultivated, then somehow or another, you also kind of know what to do next, right? Or not to do, right? And uh, I just felt like it's been the key. Just I could just say it in a word. When I feel tender, I somehow can find God's wisdom. When I'm hard, confused, angry at God, uh, even confused at God, don't know the answers, you know, and I, I don't let that tenderness somehow find a way in me. Even sometimes it means I have to let go of my earthly dad. I mean, some of you are my age, and you still haven't let go of your earthly dad. You're still mad at him. be a good day just to say, God, I, I don't know how to do this, but please forgive me for all that anger I have. And I just think there's a potential today of just some amazing breakthroughs even with that. You know, just forgive me for I just let it go. Dad, you don't have to make it right anymore. My Embrace your heavenly dad. Dad, please... Would you give me some affection today? Because this is going to be a hard one for me because I'm really having a hard time letting this go. So I just see all these yes. little scenarios, but the one thing all of us have in common, male or female, because we all are in this whole thing together, is we just need affection. Yes, affection Lord. from a father that bruised us, or a mother that bruised us, affection from a, having no dad, affection for having tried to parent and didn't do a very good job. <laughs> for needing wisdom with kids don't know what to you don't know what exactly to do aren't even sure you've ever done the right you know been parroting right whatever I just think a lot gets settled when you just just take a moment and we're a very experiential church in this sense I know it, it sounds impossible even but I'll tell you what I just if we would just take a moment and pause here it would be worth your while just to pause and ask the Holy Spirit just to soften your heart and give you some of that affection and maybe you could even hear his voice on your at least feel an affection from the Lord you're just in this moment just in the next five minutes if this took a half hour an hour you can't earn this you just ask God have mercy on me God because I don't got much mercy right now for my own soul or maybe for somebody else we don't know what to do but our eyes are on you that's a good way to say it too Lord, would you just do that? I'm just asking you, Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would just release your kindness to us today. I pray every one of us would feel a little mercy at the point where we feel the most vulnerable. We've mentioned a, a number of them. Whatever you feel vulnerable today, if you just take a moment today, may the Lord just cause mercy to come on you. Yes, and if Lord. you could just sing a few songs, and uh, just so we can just, music sometimes helps me a lot. And... Uh, so what I'd like you to do is, uh, for some of you, it might be really helpful for you to come up to the front and respond to that, just so you get some time. Uh, others, it doesn't matter. So if you want to come, come now, and I'm just going to pray a little closing thing here, maybe and a little blessing. And maybe if I could have some of us kind of pray for people as well up here in the front from our ministry team. And I don't know what it is about this whole thing. Here's another dimension of this. Sometimes people comment. It's so shocking to me. I still don't understand how this exactly works. It's just a wonderful thing. When another person prays for another person, there's miracles that happen, and I can't explain it. You know, I've, sometimes I've, I've prayed for a person like up in the front or whatever, and I feel I don't have a spiritual bone in my body, and I just prayed for him, and all of a sudden, boom. And other times I haven't felt very spiritual. Somebody else came and prayed for me, boom. So this prayer for one another is also very effective. And I know maybe some of you feel like, man, I need to be prayed for. Maybe some of you have some compassion or you'd like to pray for others. So could I just make some space up here? I just want to take a little more moment for you to come up, anybody that would like to. You don't have to. 
But let's all have just a little encounter with the Lord, okay? Could we just take just a couple of minutes? Nobody leave. Nobody do anything serious. Just for just a couple of minutes, and then I'll release everybody, okay? Just to have a moment with the Father, okay? A moment with God. I think God would be willing to do that. Could you imagine the Heavenly Father saying, uh, 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 us kids, we're going, God, could we have a heavenly moment with you? Can you imagine yes. the Father in heaven going, no way. How can he resist us? He can't resist us. Okay? So let's just take a moment for affection, right? For the Lord to bring something. And then I'll, just a, maybe three or four minutes, I'll, I'll release us, right? Whoever, who, okay, good. But if you could just sort of stay with us for a few minutes so we don't have too much.